Hey Bulls Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and I typically don't drop episodes on the weekend, but this is a special occasion because yesterday, on Friday, the Bulls announced that they have parted ways with head coach Jim Boylan. He is out, and I think that comes as relief to a lot of us in Bulls Nation because with the new front office here, you want to make sure that you have a fresh start from top to bottom. And having Jim Boylan around, it was a little nerve-wracking. There had been reports that maybe he could stay, but he is out. Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley have a clean slate and an opportunity to bring in a person that they want to lead the charge for the Chicago Bulls. So I want to make this just a real quick episode because... After all, it is a Saturday here when I'm when I'm dropping this. You probably have a lot of stuff you want to do, but I wanted to give some instant reaction and thoughts to what's going on. So let me first start by saying, you know, we had been on edge, a lot of us in Bulls Nation. You know, some of us stayed measured, but there was a good chunk of, of us, including myself, that were starting to get a little antsy with the fact that Jim Boylan was still here. And with reports coming from Joe Cowley of the Chicago Sun-Times, talking about the financial ramifications going on right now in the midst of COVID-19, that ownership might want to keep Jim Boylan to save some cash. And we heard this something similar in a column from Casey Johnson, and he had tweeted out some stuff throughout the uh, last month or so, kind of hinting to that, that the front office might want to play the long game as well by keeping Jim Boylan, and he brought up instances where Jim Boylan was being empowered in terms of how he handles stuff with players, with scouting, with the front office. It was was a little nerve-wracking for someone like me and other fans in Bulls Nation to read that kind of stuff. But ultimately, at the end of the day, when the regular season ended, because it did end officially yesterday, Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley made their decision. You know, I've, I've said this on past episodes. It's almost like as Bulls fans, we have to coach ourselves to think a little differently. We are so used to the Garpax regime and how they did business. And they were here for 17 years, so it's totally understandable. Like, we've been used to one mode of business for the last 17 years. And think about that. For some of us, like, I'll give you an example. Myself. When John Paxson came to the Bulls in 2003, I was going from eighth grade to high school. Now you now you know a little bit more about me and my age. I was a 13-year-old boy when John Paxson came to the Chicago Bulls. I am now a 31-year-old man, and John Paxson is gone. And it took that long before a change was made. So we've been used to one mode of business. For some of us, our formative parts of our lives. Like, for me, that's a formative part of your, your youth going into to young adulthood. And I've, I've been used to that with my basketball team. I've been used to, to the way that they've operated and done business. But I think now we see Arturis Karnaschovas was indeed empowered. He got to make his decision to start a coaching search. This is the first legitimate coaching search, by the way, Bulls fans, that we're having in a long time. In fact... This is crazy. I was thinking about this earlier yesterday when when the news came. If you look at the Chicago Bulls under Jerry Reinsdorf, coaching searches don't happen a lot. In the Jerry Krause era, 
The three coaches that he hired were all people that he already had pegged in the back of his mind as people to take the job. Doug Collins, if you ever go back and read in 1986, this was somebody that he was eyeing as a potential head coach for his team. We already know, you know from the last dance, Phil Jackson was the same. Phil Jackson was somebody he was eyeing as a potential head coach while Doug Collins was still the acting head coach of the Bulls. And then in 1999, when he decided to start the rebuild with Tim Floyd, he had Tim Floyd pegged for years prior to letting Phil Jackson go. And even under John Paxson, you know, Scott Skiles, you can even argue, was somebody that John Paxson had pegged as the potential coach of the Bulls. Where they actually had legitimate coaching searches, 2008, where they ended up hiring Vinny Del Negro, and 2010. And in 2008, technically that wasn't even a real coaching search. They were forced into it. Why? Doug Collins was the initial pick John Paxson wanted. And when Jerry Reinsdorf and Doug talked and decided, hey, for the sake of our friendship, let's not make this happen, they were forced to go find a head coach, and they ended up with Vinny Del Negro. 2010 was really the only legitimate coaching search the Bulls had in recent history, and they ended up with Tom Thibodeau. Um, and even Tom Thibodeau, you, you know, that's another guy that John Paxson had always had his eye on, was always somebody he was intrigued of having as an assistant or eventually a head coach for the Chicago Bulls. That was somebody he always, always wanted. But really, those are the only legit coaching searches. After Thibs, I mean, we know Gar Foreman really wanted Fred Hoiberg. And this past summer, when Boylan had the acting head coach or interim head coach tag slapped off of his title and given the job as head coach, there, there was no coaching search last summer. This is going to be really a, a very rare head coaching search for the Chicago Bulls. And I'm looking forward to it. Because this situation is going to be, I think, very intriguing around the league. I want to get to that a little later. Before I do, though, um, one thing that I want to address that, that has to do with the reporting of what was going on with Jim Boylan. I, I want to emphasize this and make this clear because I think there's some people in Bulls Nation that are sort of looking at guys like Joe Colley and Casey Johnson and you know Darnell Mayberry, the guys that were talking about Boylan potentially being retained as head coach. I think you have to understand that it's not their fault that they're getting intel from credible sources that's not necessarily bearing fruit or coming into fruition. Think about this. These are reporters that, like us as fans, are used to certain things happening in the last 17 years. And they have certain sources in the organization that they've fostered in the last 17 years. Credible sources within the organization that they go to for information. The difference is, this is a new regime. And like us, they're learning on the fly. So I just want to say that I think when Casey and Joe Colley said that they had heard from credible sources that there was a chance Jim Boylan could be retained, I think that's actually accurate and coming from a reliable source that they had within the organization. But that source might not be totally aware of Arturis Karnaschovas or Mark Eversley's way of thinking or doing business. Um, let's use Casey as an example. I don't know if this is the true or not who his source is, but let's just say for an example, 
Casey Johnson goes to Michael Reinsdorf, and they have a conversation about the team. And Michael Reinsdorf says to Casey, you know, I think Jim Boylan has been really empowered by Arturis because he's letting him in on scouting decisions. They've gone out to dinner with, you know, he and, and Mark Eversley have gone out to dinner with Jim. And I really think that he's being empowered. And, and because of the financial ramifications, there's a chance we could, you know, see him back in the fold. Well, that's the the ownership telling you that there's a chance Jim Boylan could be back. And for the reasons that, that were laid out. So is Casey Johnson wrong? No. He's being told in, in the example I'm giving you. I'm not saying this is who told him. But in the example I'm giving you, that's a credible source. And Casey Johnson has credible sources in the organization. Everybody knows that. And it would not be surprising if one of them is Michael Reinsdorf. Like, that is the type of reporter Casey has been around the Chicago Bulls. Okay, he's really trusted by that organization. So, in the example I'm giving you here where it's it's Michael Reinsdorf saying something like this to Casey, that's credible information from a credible source. But... Michael Reinsdorf doesn't necessarily know what Arturis Karnaschovas' thinking is, or whoever that source is, isn't familiar with Arturis Karnaschovas or Mark Eversley's mode of thinking yet. It's brand new. It's only, what, three months, four months since they've been on the job? So there's still some learning that's going to go on, and, and the reporters are also learning this and also trying to feel their way through this. Here in Chicago, this is going to be a learning curve. For reporters, for fans, because it's different. You know, the times are different. The the people in charge, the stakeholders, they're different now. So some of that's going to, I think, take some time getting used to. But I hope that Bulls Nation doesn't... I'm worried that Bulls Nation, because I saw some tweets, I hope they don't go into the, the future here not trusting Casey Johnson, not trusting Darnell Mayberry. Joe Colley, I understand some of the concerns with. There's been some misses on Joe Colley's resume, but, you know, he's actually, he's come out with some good stories in the past. This this past winter, Joe Colley and David Kaplan were the first two to tell you changes could be coming to the front office. They both said that Gar Foreman was somebody that wasn't long for the road, and he was one of the first to that story. You can't dismiss the fact that he's had some accurate reports in the past. He does, I think, tend to maybe embellish or overstate some things. Um, He does seem to have access to grind, but with his reporting, in in most cases, he's he's been accurate. So, look, I, I would just say to Bulls Nation, don't have reservations about some of the reporting going forward. I think we learned they're going to make a lot of decisions close to the vest. Arturis Karnaschovas, Mark Eversley are going to make decisions, and we might not know about it until the 11th hour or until they actually happen. So it's going to be a little different. There might not be as many leaks like we you know, had in the past. So based on reports from Woj, Shams, Casey Johnson, Joe Cowley, um, these are some of the top candidates that we've, we've heard in, in regards to the Chicago Bulls. First, we've heard Kenny Atkinson, former Nets head coach, M.A. Udoka, 76ers assistant, Adrian Griffin, Raptors assistant. Um, Adrian Griffin, we've had some reports come out about uh, potential domestic violence accusations made by his ex-wife. 
Uh, there's an investigation going on with that. And, uh, and certainly if he's a candidate of interest for the Bulls, that's going to be an investigation probably carried out by the team as well. Mavericks assistant Steven Silas, Nuggets assistant Wes Unsell Jr., and an interesting one, Bucks assistant Darvin Ham. In our last episode of the Rebuildable Podcast, our guest Salim Suterwala and I kicked around some of these names as potential coaching candidates. And all of them, I think, have some added benefit if they come to Chicago. The two hot assistants on this list are clearly Udoka and Griffin. Now, again, Griffin's going to have, I think, some some baggage with the investigation, but he's been somebody that's been highly touted for, I feel like, the last two seasons as a potential up-and-coming head coach in the league. And somebody that I think would be, you know, if, if he's cleared and he's clean, I don't see a downside to having a guy like Adrian Griffin come as, as the head coach of your team. Um, and he's certainly, you could tell, they're they're bracing for it in Toronto that he's going to be a head coach somewhere. Uh, Adoka is another name that's getting a lot of attention around the league. And somebody that has a pre-existing relationship with Mark Eversley, an easy connection. And again, Griffin has a connection too uh, with both Eversley and Karnaschovas because Karnaschovas and Griffin are both Seton Hall alum. Kenny Atkinson, also a Seton Hall alum, like AK, and that's an interesting name because I feel like he got a raw deal in Brooklyn. You know, this was a guy who took a a young roster, made them a very competitive young playoff team in 2019, and really got forced out because Kyrie Irving and and Kevin Durant wanted somebody that, that they trusted a little more. Um, but I think he got a raw deal, and I think he's somebody that would definitely be a breath of fresh air for the Chicago Bulls, and a, really a great fit in terms of developing a young roster like this one. Now, one thing to keep in mind with these coaches, there is going to be some competition. We did hear that the New Orleans Pelicans moved on from Alvin Gentry. So they, they Alvin Gentry is no longer there. That's an open job. Now, Zion Williamson, Brendan Ingram, you know, Lonzo Ball, it's a very attractive spot. So, you know, there were reports that Tyron Lue and Jason Kidd might be the front runners for that job. And that kind of makes sense. We know that the connection between Tyron Lue and David Griffin, who was the former general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers. But I'm sure that some of the names that are on the Bulls list, like Kenny Atkinson and, you know, Udoka, Griffin, those are guys that might be on that list too for for the Pelicans job. And, you know, it's, I really do believe that's actually a more attractive destination than the Bulls. Uh, Not saying the Bulls is a bad job. I think it is an attractive job right now, especially with the new front office there. But you have to look at the roster. That roster with the Pelicans right now, there's a lot of pieces there that you can work with, especially with Zion Williamson. Um, But there's a lot of pieces that you can use as bait to move around and create some opportunities to bring in other players or to create draft capital. So if you're a coaching candidate around the league, that's a really intriguing job down there in New Orleans. I still think it's an attractive job here in Chicago, but if I had a pick between the two, that Pelicans job is pretty it's pretty attractive. So I think they're going to have some competition there for that. Back to the Bulls here. The key is going to be hiring somebody that 
has a strong player development background and can foster relationships. The new head coach, coupled with the new front office with your young core, could be a very attractive situation come summer of 2021. And the summer of 2021 is going to be a big free agent class. I think any coach that has the ability to develop this young core, Kobe White, Wendell Carter Jr., Laurie Markkinen, Zach Levine, if you have a coach that's able to develop the core four of the Bulls, I truly believe this roster in a weaker Eastern Conference can win games. And I think they can make the playoffs in the 2021 season. Strongly believe that. And you might think I'm crazy because they only won, what, 22 games prior to the shutdown? But you know what? There were a lot of inconsistencies with this team. And we pointed to a lot of games throughout the season on this podcast where the Bulls should have won. Should have won those games. There were issues with the rotation, minutes, and handling of late game situations that were on your head coach. Now, some of the the issues did lie with your players. We we know about some of the deficiencies with Laurie Markkinen and his development. I mean, that's not all on your coach. He has some of that too. He's got to take some of that blame. But, you know, even you look at the the lack of development from guys like Wendell Carter and Kobe White and even Laurie Markkinen since his rookie season. They've been the same since the moment they walked into the league. Like Wendell Carter Jr. has been a pro's pro, but he came into the league as a pro's pro. Has he really made any noticeable improvement? No, he's just been a very solid player. Imagine if you had a, a head coach that could knock up his stock a little bit. That would be huge, right? I mean, have him develop a little bit better of a, a mid-range game to enhance his offense. Let him let him step out and take a couple of jumpers at the top of the key. Get him going within the offense. We didn't see that from Jim Boylan. With Kobe White, he basically just made Kobe White a, a shot chucker. And it was cool at the beginning of the season, but we didn't see anything later in the season where he empowered Kobe White and helped Kobe White develop into more of a point guard, a traditional point guard, or even a traditional combo guard. They just let him be a, a shot chucker. With Zach Levine, Zach Levine's improvements, I feel like, have all been self-induced. He's just done his own thing to, to make himself a better player. I would like to see him play better within the team construct a little more. You know, we didn't see an emphasis there from Jim Boylan and the coaching staff to do that. And with Laurie Markkinen, I think that's the biggest one. You know, Laurie Markkinen, he had noticeable struggles this past season. And I feel like he's had noticeable struggles since Jim Boylan's been acting head coach. So what can you do to help him improve? Because look, in order to make this whole thing work, he's the guy that has to take a significant step. Does he have to be Dirk Nowitzki? Hell no. But he's got to be somewhere between Danilo Gallinari and Dirk Nowitzki. He's got to be better than a Danilo Gallinari. I brought this up to Salim Surtawala. I think he's got to be better than that. You know, he doesn't have to be Dirk Nowitzki, a future Hall of Famer, but he's got to be somewhere in between. On the fringe of being an all-star in this league. That's super important for this to work. You know, because you need him to either be a catalyst on this team with Zach Levine and with whoever else you bring in, or he's got to be a key piece you move to acquire star talent. So in order to have that happen, he's got to take a step. And Jim Boylan, I felt, didn't really do anything to make sure that he was in a rhythm in a lot of these games. 
he would let him stand at the three-point line and just wait for the ball or not force the issue to get the ball in his hands, creating mismatches down low for him, get him going early in ball games. We never saw that. And I think that's the key. Whoever they hire, whether it's Atkinson, Udoka, Griffin, Silas, Unseld, you know, whoever, if it's got, you know, people that aren't even on this list, if it's Becky Hammond, you know, that's an interesting name nobody's bringing up. If it is Darvin Ham, if it is whoever, they got to come in and make sure that that core four develops. Because if that core four develops and you get as much as you can out of them, I truly believe this can be a playoff team and an intriguing team next summer. Because next summer is going to be a major summer in the NBA. There are going to be free agents, star free agents, guys like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, LeBron James, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And that is the guy that the Chicago Bulls need to ensure they get a sit-down with. We're done with this. The rebuild's been going on too long. Now, if Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley want to blow this whole thing up again, I guess they earn that right to do it. But I don't see why they need to. Unless they are wowed unbelievably. If trade offers come in for Zach Levine and Laurie Markkinen, Wendell Carter, and Kobe White, and they're just offers you can't refuse, then I totally get it. Go for it. But if you're not getting massive offers for those guys, and you see steady improvement, then you should be doing your damnedest to go out and acquire a game-changing player in this league. And I really believe... They can get the most out of the roster and create an attractive situation because the cap space will be here, Bulls fans. And you have a front office now that might be a little more creative than we ever saw Garpax get in terms of moving contracts, in terms of finding ways to create that cap space. Because the Bulls eventually have to sit down at the table with one of these guys. And I think the time will come. And I think it's going to come next summer if you get the right head coach in here. I really believe that. And it might be crazy. But I've been saying this really since this podcast started that, you know, this rebuild needed to hit its peak by 2021. 2021 needs to be the summer where you turn the corner. I honestly believe that because as Bulls fans, we've been going through this since the summer of 2017. And at that point, we're going to be four years into this. And I get that that Garpax hogged up three seasons of of trying to build something here but we got to see some results and I think we can with the right coach in here because I do think the players that are on the roster are intriguing pieces but I don't think there was ever a coach here to make sure they were all together and on the same page you know I even think that had they actually done a coaching search in the summer of 2019 a year ago we might be in a totally different situation now. We might have seen the Chicago Bulls in that bubble in Orlando competing for a playoff spot right now, or maybe even in the playoffs. I really believe that because this was a weak Eastern Conference this year. You can't tell me that the Bulls, the way that they had that roster set up, and I know it, there were podcasters around Bulls Nation that came on to the show, bloggers, reporters, all the content creators that have come on the Rebuildable podcast. As we were heading into the season and early in the season, there were plenty of us saying that the Bulls were going to be a team anywhere from 30 to 38 wins, that they were going to get better. Well, 
you know, you look at the Eastern Conference landscape, they might have done enough at 35, 38 wins to get into the playoffs as a 7 or 8 seed. So, look, is that, like, great? Is that contending? No. But it's it's showing you that these young guys would have been taking that next step. And I really believe with the way the roster was set up this past season, they should have been able to do that. I just think you didn't have the right coach in charge to get this going. He wasn't the straw that stirred the drink. And that's what they have to find in this next head coach. And I look, I think they're going to get it done. I, I like the track record that we see of Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley in those you know, roles in, in front offices around the league. Now, they're in charge. You know, they're, they're a couple seats down now. It's a, it's a different, it's a clean slate. We can't base it off their previous track record because now they are the decision makers. But I am cautiously optimistic in what they can do. So, yes, I am one of those people that, that wants to see this so 2021 can be a fun summer. Because if they can get the meetings with the likes of a Giannis Antetokounmpo or a Kawhi Leonard, you should be excited, Bulls fans. Because that can happen if you get this going in the right direction next season. And you also want to be at an attractive destination when one of those star players around the league gets disgruntled and wants to move, wants to be traded. Let, let's put that into the equation, too. Make this as attractive as you can. You know, ha- had they actually kept Jim Boylan, you know, and I, I brought this up plenty of times on, on a couple of the past episodes here, it would have really hurt the Bulls' perception. Because imagine if they didn't make this move. Those other players around the league, I think, would have been very turned off by what the Bulls would have done. If Jim Boylan were still here, the, those players around the league, the free agents, the guys that get that, that get antsy and want to be moved at, at the trade deadline, they would have looked at the Bulls and said, that's, that's a joke. I don't want to go there. I mean, I know that the guys on that roster don't even like Jim Boylan, and they just hired a new front office, and... You know, the ownership's making Jim Boylan stay. And, you know, I, I saw the last dance. I've seen what they do. They don't side with the players. So, I, screw it. I'm not going there. But what they did by by making this move, by letting Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley have that decision, they've helped kill that perception a bit. And so, yes, it's very exciting to be a Bulls fan right now and to see that. So, before I wrap up here, we're going to have... I think another episode or two in the coming week, 10 days. I'm working on a a special episode where we could talk about the state of the Bulls with a a little bit of a roundtable of different uh, podcasters, bloggers, content creators within Bulls Nation. So I'm working on that now. Hopefully I'll have more details on that later. You know, getting everybody on the same page and, and getting uh, coordinating around everybody's schedule can be a little difficult. So I'm working on that right now. One episode that we will have for sure is uh, something off the heels of the draft lottery. Yes, the draft lottery. It happens this coming Thursday, August 20th. I can't believe I'm saying that, the draft lottery in August. We usually have that in May, but you know it, it's a COVID world. What, what can you do? So the, the draft lottery is going to be interesting. If the Bulls get the number one pick... By the way, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a pig in shit because new front office, new head coach, number one pick. I mean, sh- damn, that's that's gonna be special, especially the last three years picking seven. I mean, having the number one pick with the the scenario I've set up here of of the Chicago Bulls, young roster, new front office, 
new coach, cap space coming in the next year. Man, that's going to make, I mean, it's going to make that free agency period of 2021 and even the trade scenarios possibly down the road even that much sweeter. So I'm definitely excited about that, but we'll see. I mean, look, the odds say the Bulls will be picking somewhere around six or seven or eight. So I'm not trying to get my hopes up, but hopefully they end up with with a top pick. Doesn't have to even be number one. If they get a top pick, I would be very happy and and excited because I want to see what this front office can do with a a lottery pick. But we'll have an episode after the draft lottery and maybe go over some potential names that could be in that that area where they're picking. As always, follow us on Twitter at rebuild underscore a underscore bowl. If you want to get the latest episodes and reaction, you can also follow me on Twitter at mgentile88. Gentile is spelled G-E-N-T-I-L-E, like Gentile. So be excited, Bulls Nation. You know, we got the the NBA playoffs going on, the draft lottery coming up, and then hopefully a lot of intriguing news with the coaching search. Have a good one, and be safe out there. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts.